I want to take you through the book of Acts chapter 10 this morning. Is that okay? We're going to read this whole chapter together. If you don't have a Bible, just find one somewhere. There should be people that have a Bible or a device that has the Bible on it. And it's great to do it together. So are you with me? It's going to take about a couple of minutes. About six in total. All right, I've timed it. So don't worry. But um, can we read through Acts chapter 10? All right? You ready? Let's start. Chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius! And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants, a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, say with me the next day. It's just a means to keep you with me. The next day, as they went on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. And while Peter was uh, inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. And called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them down to you. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day, say with me the next day. Ah, oh, well done. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, 
Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with them, with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone or another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And the man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been, has been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon and Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. When, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. Just three more verses. The apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, going back, the circumcision party, or those of the circumcision, criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? Phenomenal story. Two characters that are clearly standing out and prominent for us. 
We see the man called Cornelius, and we see a man, Peter. The life of Cornelius is very simple. We, we read that he's a soldier in the army of the Romans, so he's a non-Jew. He has um, the responsibility to look after about 100 soldiers and men under his command, and he lives in a city called Caesarea where there's many of the Romans army is, is, is located and, and, and they function from there. We also see very interestingly about this Roman non-Jew that the Bible says he's a devout man who fears God. He regularly gives and gives generously and he prays regularly. And uh, it's very clear that this man knows God. He's never heard about Jesus. He may have heard about him, you know, through just history of what had happened, but he doesn't know Jesus, but he knows about God. So he has a faith in God. Like many of our Old Testament believers did have, never heard about Jesus, but they had a faith in God. We see also the life of a man called Peter. And we obviously know a little bit more about Peter because he was one of the disciples of Jesus, and a lot of things happened by that time already in his life. Here we see very interestingly that Peter has only one, known one way, the Jewish way. No other way was known to him. Brought up, reared in that way. He's never mingled with anybody else but Jewish people. The significance of this dream is that God is showing Peter to step beyond his known world and to reach out to something is always considered to be common or unclean. And for the Jews, these were people that could almost be known or referred to as dogs. So they're the common people. And we see in his reaction in verse 14 where he says, By no means, Lord, I cannot eat. I cannot participate in what you are showing me to participate in. Some translations say, Not so, Lord. Cannot be. This is not right. Even in his dream, how's that, eh? He's in a trance. He's not completely focused, as many of you, when you dream. You're not really corpus mendus, are you? Because after you've woken up, you're like, what did I dream about? Hey? This guy, even in his dream, he's saying, uh-uh, this can't be. He's so... This, 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 this system is so intertwined in him that even in his dream he's saying, No, Lord, I cannot do this. But God shows him very clearly a better way in verse 15 where he says, What God has made clean, do not call common. So two things we find in this chapter need to be overcome by these two men. And may I dare say, by all of us this morning, just two things that I want to, want to challenge us with and say, these are things that we need to overcome. We look, at, we look at Cornelius and his inferiority when considering the Jews. When, when Cornelius looks at himself, he, he, he sees the Jews and, he, and he's inferior to them. And so what he looks at, when he looks at himself is, I am, I'm no one compared to them. We look at Peter and we see his prejudice against non-Jews or Gentiles. 
That's really what a Gentile is. It's a non-Jew. All right? And so two major things that had the potential to stop the gospel from spreading, and yet God didn't allow it to stop His gospel, as He would not allow it today. And those elements, may I dare say, brothers and sisters, <laughs> men, women, young and old, are so very real still in our lives. Love the song that we sang earlier on. And Clive remarked on it. Guys, make sure that you understand what you sing. When we sang, I love who you love, the implication is this. God loves how many people? How many diverse people? How many sections of people does He not love? Does He love all or some? All, all right? All people. You want to say that with me? All? All, all right? That excludes who? No one. So when we sing, who you love, I love, it means that He loves all. I mean, I need to love all. Okay, I'll rest that with you. You think about that, all right? So often it's going to be long enough for you to digest it. Let's just look at the two perceptions and the two things that were relevant in the lives of these men. First of all, we're going to look at Cornelius and his perception. As a believer in the God of the Jews, Cornelius believed that he was actually still inferior in his faith to the way that the Jews expressed their faith. He found out that there's a God. It's an amazing story. We don't have any... Um, historical backup from the Bible that said how he came to know about this God of the Jews, but he certainly was devoted to God, uh, that you and I are devoted to today, and um, he, he really wanted to serve God. He gave generously, he prayed regularly, he was a dedicated man who followed God. But in that, he felt inferior to the Jews, because he was a Roman. We see it very clearly in verse 25. It says, When Peter entered Cornelius' house, this is what Cornelius did. He met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Cornelius saw Peter coming in. He's like, man, this is amazing. I had sent for him. He had come. This is incredible. He's a Jew. I'm a non-Jew. I'm like, wow. I need to, I need to show my respect. I need to honor, but I actually, it went a bit further. It says he worshipped him. As a Gentile believer in the God of Israel, he feels intimidated and awe-inspired in the presence of this Jewish man, Peter. God made it clear that Peter will give him some help and, and counsel, but Cornelius is overwhelmed that such a messenger of God should be in his house. It's like, whoa, he's come to me. I'm going to worship this guy. Here is the part of the problem that God has to overcome. Had to then and still has to today in our lives. When there's a large cultural barrier, rich and poor, employed, jobless, from this tribe or that tribe, from being university trained or uneducated, from this nation or that nation, from being an employer, being an employee, or even jobless, Often one side of the division feels inferior and intimidated when they are in the presence of a more 
privileged person. We find that even today. Uh huh. It is this very feeling of intimidation and inferiority that God was planning and still desires to overcome by the power of His Holy Spirit. How do you, and I ask this to us, myself included, how do you feel in the presence of people that are different to you? Different in the way that you look at them. They come from a different background, class, different race, different age, different nationality, different language, different education level, different accomplishments that they have accomplished higher than yours. Do you feel inferior, intimidated by them and by who they are and what they have accomplished? Or do you feel superior to those who have not accomplished and who have not come from the background that you may come from? Does your feeling towards these individuals honor God or not? Do they honor the person more than God, your feelings that you may have? Honoring people is always a good thing. It's a biblical value that we need to have. But we must ensure that it doesn't become worship. We are called to worship God and honor man. Not the other way around. Sometimes we become worshipers of man. And we honor God here and there. But we're more in awe of man than our awe of God. I have a relative who's fairly well known in the sports arena cricketer and I've often been with him he's well known across the world and I'm not trying to impress you by saying that but I've just been with him at times where people are so in awe of him I'm just kind of like a bystander like I'm conversing with him and they like I just want an autograph and a picture can I have your shirt can I have your cap can I have this can you do this for me can you do that and I'm like oh, I'm just around eh? <laughs> I'm just Vesey from Bulawayo right just mind me and, and, and nothing else is more important to the people than just being in this man's presence and being able to photograph with him or have a picture taken, the selfies, the stuff. And I mean, I've been with him that they ask, hey, can you give me your shirt? They, he's wearing it. Can you give me your shirt? I'm like, gee, buddy, just let the guy go. He's told me many stories where actually... He's had bodyguards in certain areas of the world where, where he's going into the public arena and bodyguards have to keep the people away from him. True story. His wife is with him. They don't mind his wife. The people just want to get to him. That's worship of man. That's the worship of man. And as, as his friend, and I know he has many friends like that, that try to just help him to make sure that he doesn't fall prey to the worship of man. We can take the honor of man so far that it becomes worship. And God is warning Cornelius here that because you feel so inferior, you become a worshiper of man instead of a worshiper of God. And we've got to make sure that we don't step into that trap. And when we do, when we do allow people to, to honor us so much that it becomes worship, we've got to be humble enough to admit it. Hey, I'm allowing this to take place. Because I'm the employer or whatever it may be. I'm more educated than them. I'm more rich than them. They are looking up into me. But I know that it's so close to worship. 
And I need to be humble enough to say, God, please help me. If I have reflected this, that they are starting to respond in this way, please let me be humble enough to say, I'm just like you are, like Peter did. And I challenge you, if you have ever stepped into such a realm where people are actually becoming worshippers of you, for who you are, what you've accomplished, be humble enough, my friend, to say, no, not so, it cannot be. Come on, get up. You're just a human being like I am. The second thing that we learn from this portion is Peter and his perception. He goes to Caesarea, which is a place where many soldiers are to be found, as I told you. It's kind of like going into the lion's den. They've just been persecuted. It's rife. It's happening. God calls him through a vision to go to a place where he's not going to be so comfortable. Now, Caesarea is found in the province of Samaria. We know that when Jesus said, you're going to have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem. Oh, that's great. That's cozy. I like Jerusalem. It's like, it's my alma mater. I I know them. We've grown up together. That's cool. I can do Jerusalem. Now, Jesus didn't stop there. There's a comma. He says, you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem. Where? Judea, which is not, it's beyond Jerusalem. It's like... It's like these other towns that are, I mean, I love Bulawayo. Don't send me to Gwanda. <laughs> hey, who wants to go to Gwanda? All I know about Gwanda is the way to Bite Bridge. I don't love about Gwanda. It's like, yeah, Jesus says, go to Gwanda too. Okay. It doesn't stop there. Because now Gwanda is part of the province of Matabililand, which is Judea. Jesus says, I will send you to Samaria too. Oh, no. It's like my Shona land. Oh, goodness. Who wants to go to the Shonas? We like our lives here, the Matabili people. We like Nebeles. We get along. Oh, who wants to go to my Shona land? Who wants to go to Arari? I mean, seriously. <laughs> Love you guys, eh? <laughs> Just a story, okay? So here Peter is sent. To Harari. It's like, I mean, I'm going to go to a place where I know no one. And they, they might do something to me because I come from Bulawayo. <clears throat> yeah, go there, my friend. So he goes. God brings him to this Gentile center. See, I love this, eh? It's like a lovely story. We could just, here is where God is moving in Bulawayo, but Jesus wants us to go to Harari too. <laughs> I love that. It's like, I didn't plan this. <laughs> First time for Peter now to go beyond his own tribe in a sense. Not just Jerusalem. He's traveled beyond Jerusalem before. But he goes into a Gentile environment. And he goes, listen to this. He goes into the home of a Gentile. That's pretty. That's mean stuff. That's, that's big, big stuff. I mean, it's one thing to go just and browse around in, in Caesarea it's another thing to go into the house, not of a Jewish believer in Caesarea, but into the house of a Roman soldier and to the house of a Gentile, which is not allowed according to his Jewish custom. May I say this, that we do not really cross cultural barriers, listen to this, until we are at ease in the home of another person when they are being themselves in their own culture. I want to challenge you, friends, King City Church. 
trying to challenge us to move beyond the comfort of our own cultural homes and step into the homes of people that are different than us because this is what God instructs us to do. I will make you my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. This is why Peter was brought to Caesarea, which is away from his place of safety, his comfort zone. Why is it that God brought Peter to Caesarea and not Cornelius to Jerusalem? Why is it that there's a church we are called to go and not to come? You and I are called to go from here. We are not to, supposed to just bring people to our meetings on a Sunday, which is great. And if you've come for the first time and you don't know Christ, we'd love to journey with you to, to help you know Christ. But ultimately, the effectiveness of us as His representatives are found in the fact that we are called to go. You and I are the Peters of this world that's supposed to go to the Cornelius of this world and enter their homes. Places that you and I are not familiar with and find it very uncomfortable to go to. Peter went. He says to them, hey guys, I'm actually not supposed to be here. But God has spoken. Four things, five things, is it four or five? Four things quickly. Some of the applica implications of this for all of us today. Firstly, God does not appreciate prejudice and tribalism. God created tribes. You look around, you see different tribes? Huh? I can know in Afrikaans praat en jylle achterkom ek is van a jylemal alle tribe. If you want to interpret that, I just said, I can speak in Afrikaans now and you will know that I'm from a completely different tribe. Just quick translation for you. I'm from a different tribe. I look different, I speak a different language. I'm, I bribe different than some of you. <laughs> I'm concerned about the way that you guys bribe me. I'm really seriously concerned. But anyway, that's off the top. God does not appreciate prejudice and tribalism, although tribes are from Him. But when we use our tribes to separate ourselves from others, God has a big problem with that. It is true that God gave certain privileges to Israel and that He had not given to other nations. But privilege is not superiority, and it should not lead to separation. We have to give up pride for who we are in terms of our tribes to gain Christ. Secondly, God does not appreciate the privileged, intimidate the less privileged. We saw it happen. That Peter said, no, come on, get up. Jewish people tended to intimidate non-Jewish people. They felt that they had the right to make others feel inferior by their mere presence. We see it in how Cornelius responded. God is displeased when one enforces a feeling of superiority upon another. And as people of God, we are the first ones that should say, God, let it start with me. Let me not be a channel of intimidation and fear upon others. Amen? The third thing, God does not appreciate it when sections of humanity are ignorant of each other. It's a big one. We know we are different, but we can so easily, in the knowledge of that, become ignorant of the importance of the other person because I am important. Peter comes into the house of a Gentile for the first time in his life. First time in his life. I think it's sad 
when we never enter the homes of another section of the human race that is different to ours. I challenge you. If you feel convicted, great. If you feel condemned, it's not of God. I want you to feel convicted this morning to say, I've never been in the house of another, a person of a, of a different uh, background, race. Language is, is kind of like good because there are different languages that, that actually refer to different nationalities. But, you know, between English and Afrikaans, there's very little difference. So don't come and wave your flag and say, I've been in a home of Afrikaans guy. Ah, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really work. But if you're, if you're sure now speaking, that's great. If you're from Harare, that's even better. <laughs> I think it's sad. I think it's impoverishing. It deprives us of something God wants us to enjoy, the beauty found in people different than me. It deprives people of the opportunity of crossing barriers set up by man and never set up by God. We need to appreciate the differences we have. People of other tribes and other levels of wealth have much to offer to each other. People who are financially destitute often are people of great faith. Go learn from them. Don't look down at them. People who are different than us often have so much we can learn from them. But would we be humble enough to engage their world and learn from each other? That's why we do life groups, by the way. It creates an opportunity for us to come together in a home to learn from one another. Different tribes, different languages, different backgrounds. Fourth one. God does not only want certain sections of the human race in His church, but He wants all. And it's very clear. We can, we can, you can debate me on this till you blue in the face, if you can ever get blue in the face. But I will never budge from this, that the gospel is for every nation. That's why we celebrate it here. That's why we also travel to nations and go and share it there. They were to witness in Samaria, but Jews and Samaritans were in a bad relationship to each other. God said, I want you to cross that barrier. They would go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But Jews did not like the Gentiles who lived in the uttermost parts of the earth. But God wanted them to cross that barrier. We are watching it. We're reading about it in the book of Acts. It's there for us to see. You look at the response in 11, chapter 11, those, that verse where the, the Jews from Jerusalem were upset with Peter. And he said, oh, they said to him, or he said, they said to him, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? Disgusting! We laugh, but we think like that. May I just close with this? Four reasons why we discriminate. Just four reasons. First of all, we have insecurities. We don't know. We don't know. And each one of these, there's a problem. Insecurities, you don't know. You don't know that your identity is found in God and not in your background, in your culture, in your race, in your language, in your ethnicity in your in your financial status you're insecure if you look down at others my friend and i say that with love to all of you the second reason why we discriminate is because of ignorance we don't see first one we don't know the second one we don't see we are so caught up in our own world we don't realize what what's happening to others and how, how valuable they are and we don't actually see what our feeling of superiority is doing to them. Because we're ignorant. I don't see it. What do you mean I hurt him? I don't know. I didn't see that. You did it. The third one is, there's a weakness. I just don't care. I just don't care. 
It's peer pressure. Everybody's doing it. This is how people are treating one another everywhere in this world. I'm like, should I change? I don't know. It's too much of an effort. You're weak. Change. God wants to help you. And the last one is this. It's pride. We don't try. Because it's too much. What are people going to think of me? I always live like this. Some of my parents brought me up. This is the community that I'm in. This is how we think. I'm not going to try. The first problem is ignorance. We don't know. Second one, um, first one, insecurity. We don't know. Ignorance. We don't see. Weakness. We don't care. Last one, pride. We don't try. We all have certain prejudices, intolerances, and discriminations in our lives against various people. Various ways. And I'm going to just give you some of the examples that there may be, but there are plenty more. We discriminate against people who dress in a certain way. We discriminate against people who smoke. We discriminate against people who drink alcohol. We discriminate against people with tattoos. We discriminate against people who are on Facebook. Oh, at least I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> we discriminate against people who are on Facebook regularly. I just we discriminate against people who, who don't come to church at all. You never go. We discriminate against people who go to church, who don't go to church regularly. Oh, is that the last time you've been? We discriminate against people who are divorced. We discriminate against people who are single, still. We discriminate against people that are single and, and over 40. <gasps> we discriminate against people who have different sexual persuasions than us. You know, the LGBTQ people. If you don't know who they are, it's people of lesbian convictions or persuasions, bisexuals, gays, transvestites. And the Q is it's like the queer or the, we don't really know what they are, questionable. We discriminate against those people. We have a very strong philosophy why it's wrong, and that's right. But you discriminate, we discriminate against them. We discriminate against people with physical disabilities, people that are sick and helpless. We discriminate against the poor. We discriminate against the rich. Oh, you're too rich. Oh, you got so much. And, oh, you got so little. We discriminate against people who live in a certain area or come from certain countries and backgrounds. We discriminate. And the list can go on and on and on. I want to finish this morning by challenging us. The gospel is an unstoppable force. Nothing that will come in the way of it will stop the gospel from spreading to people. Let us, let me, let you never become a hindrance to the gospel because of our discrimination against people. Ungodly discrimination that we may live with, that you have grown up with, that I have grown up with. I come from Afrikaans, South Africa, male, white background. That just means all the red lights. I had to, and I still have to, choose to submit myself to God's way of looking at people. Would you join me in this? 
please? Would you mind considering His ways above yours? And let us humble our hearts to say, let what God has called me to accomplish in this world not be stopped by my own discrimination I harbor towards others. This is where we've got to trust the Holy Spirit to help us take this beyond just this moment. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Jesus, oh, the unstoppable force of your love is what we need in our lives. Where you go, I'll go. How you serve, I'll serve. Who you love, I'll love. Is the cry of our hearts this morning, Lord Jesus. God, help us never to have excuses for doing what we need to do in this world. Forgive us, O oh Jesus, where we've lived with prejudices in our hearts towards people different than us and have preferred others and say, these are my people, I can be with them. I will be less favorable to those that are different than me. Father, please forgive me. Forgive us. Oh Lord God, this is a plea to be more like you. Not to be politically correct, but be biblically obedient and honoring to God and worship Him. And I pray for us as a church, Jesus, that you will help us. Oh God, that you will help us in these areas. Father, this is a thing that's come from way back when. Man thinks of himself too highly than what he ought to. Break our hearts, Lord God. Break our pride so that we will become more like your son, Jesus Christ, who was no respecter of person. Father, I pray for this. Holy Spirit, won't you come and, and touch hearts right now? May you be the after preacher beyond just what I've said and beyond already what you have done. I trust that you have that you will continue to move in our hearts and challenge us, oh God. Challenge us, oh Jesus, to be worshipers of God and not of man and not allow the worship of man to, to inflate our lives. The worship of God. We give ourselves to you right now in humble obedience to you and we ask you, won't you please do this work in us? And through us, that when friends talk a different language that we know we are called to speak, Father, that we will be ready to say, not so, my friend. That's not right. We'll love people unconditionally, beyond any barrier. God, I trust for that. May we be known as a church, Lord Jesus, that lives this way. Not through our efforts collectively, but through our individual lives, firstly, Lord. God, I trust for that. 
Thank you, Jesus.